world is becoming more unglued by the day. Local consequences are now showing up. We are seeing sky-high gas prices, higher food prices, shortages, and more. How should you respond? Go to redpills.tv slash patriot. That's R-E-D-P-I-L-L-S dot TV slash patriot. And secure your long-term emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. My Patriot Supply is by far the largest preparedness company in America. They're in stock and shipping quickly in unmarked boxes to your door. Their emergency food supplies last up to 25 years in storage. When you need it, it'll be there. Lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks totaling over 2,000 calories a day. Get free shipping on any order over $99. Again, go to redpills.tv slash Patreon. journey of conversations on the fringe all right good morning good evening good afternoon wherever you are in the world my name is josh welcome to the red pill project's conversations on the fringe that is nathaniel over there nathaniel's barber shop first time guest on the show many people out there know him for uh, coming on over from the social red pill and uh, tonight, Conversations on the Fringe, this is where we talk about those conversations that are typically reserved for the campfire, for the bar scene, and late night conversations with friends. We dive into all different types of conspiracies and talk about all various different types of topics, from ancient culture, aliens, to, to ghosts, to strange, to consciousness, to science, to physics. Tonight, we are talking about alien origins, the, the Anunnaki as well as who knows where this conversation is going to get. But first, I wanted to give an update. People have been asking me, Josh, what, what happened with the harmonic egg? And so I actually had my uh, my visit today with the harmonic egg. And I got to change this audio. I don't know what happened, why my camera's mirrored. Oh, my God, that's so much better. Okay. <laughs> it had my camera. So I'm like looking that way. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how that happened. But anyways. So I had my appointment today with a harmonic egg, and I know everybody's been excited. Oh, by the way, sporting the thing barber shop right there. I love the hat. Thank All you, right. sir. That's right, man. <laughs> but um, 
the harmonic egg. So if you guys remember a few weeks ago, we had Gail Lynn on the show. She is an inventor um, and very much into the spiritual sciences of understanding vibration, oscillation, resonance, various different frequencies, uh, everything from Royal Rife, Nikola Tesla. Um, and when I started like looking at the harmonic egg, I was a little skeptical. But I'm like, I'm going to go try it. I'm going to go try it. I made my appointment. I went in today and I met Sharon over there at the uh, Ohm studio in St. Paul, Minnesota. And Sharon, by the way, is freaking awesome. Um, so I walk in there and I'm expecting, you know, cause it's like, it's like a uh, spiritual shop, right? Like they got the crystals and everything like that. And I'm expecting, you know, sh the owner's probably going to be kind of a little lefty. Right. And sure. absolutely not. <laughs> completely awake to what's happening in the world and we vibed immediately and i'm like okay great i feel really good about this and um she and she ends up being an ayurvedic practitioner and kind of like looking at me and trying to gauge what type of therapy i need in the egg and uh she says that they start with uh, kind of like the neurological treatment and i'm like okay that'd be good and i told her you know i have the, the problem with my shoulder um a little bit about my life and um, I go in there and the egg was not what I expected. Like it was just this massive tube, egg shaped tube that you sit in. Right. And like you get mm. in the chair and it like reclines back and you're kind of lifted up. And I'm like, this is kind of cool. It had like a spaceship feel to it. And you get covered up in a blanket and then the door closes and uh, the music by this time is going. And I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, like at first with the music going, um, it was like, you could feel the reverberation like it was it wasn't loud music um i chose one with binaural beats which was kind of interesting but um it was kind of overwhelming at first and i'm a i'm a, i'm a very sensitive person in that kind of sense but like i felt like i was gonna have an anxiety attack right it was kind of weird so i i just i just went with it i just breathed i just breathed and i tried to meditate and when usually when I meditate, I try to go into my right brain um, and I, I kind of do the transition into my right brain and I start noticing kind of like um, pulsations throughout my body, just like boom, 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 boom. like my arms were pulsating. Like you could feel your, your, your blood flow through your arms and your legs. I'm like, okay, kind of good. Right. And I went into the, like just a meditation and was trying to focus on my intention. Kind of my intention was, um, twofold number one to heal my my body and my shoulder and to heal emotionally to to the sever tethered emotions and if people remember um, a lot of other conversations on the fringe i've talked about how we might be finite or infinite beings within our spirit but when we're here in this incarnation in this body we have a finite amount of energy that can come into this body which means that we have a finite amount of energy that we work with when we're dealing with other people so we have various relationships in our life i, I we create what i call an emotional tether right and those emotional tethers can be um forever long i mean they can last a lifetime with parents and children and stuff like that but sometimes you create these emotional tethers and that person's been out of your life for 30 years, but they're still consuming that information, consuming that energy from you, right? They're either mm. giving 
negative energy, positive energy, you're consuming energy, and it can be very, very toxic in a sense of how these energetic relationships operate. So one of the quotes that I've always had on my wall, and I thought it was a quote I made up, is um, remove that which no longer serves you. And this is in the sense of energetic relationships. One of the first things that she says to me is, you know, one of the, the things about this neurological um, um, work that we're going to do today is that it, it's going to seek to remove those things that no longer serve you. And I go, whoa, like you took that right out of my mouth. Like, okay, right. And she's talking about how it works and how like it's going to, you're like, you know, and, and this is kind of the, the new age aspect thing is your cells are going to open up. They're going to detoxify. They're going to release all the stress, the anxiety, your muscles relax and, and the egg will take care of that. It'll be in the egg. Right. So I'm inside of it and um, nothing really profound was happening. Other than just some feelings and sensations. Um, I go into a meditation and uh, I'm like waiting for something mystical to happen. I'm waiting for something profound to happen and nothing was really happening. Um, and then I kind of went into hypnagogmia, kind of like in between sleep. And um, I started having this hypnagogmic uh, vision that I was going to an egg session, a harmonic egg session. And I'm sitting on a couch and I, I had the blanket on me that they gave me. And there's a cat on top of the blanket and I'm petting the cat. My cat just died last week, if you remember. So mm -hmm. it's kind of like, and I'm like, man, this cat should be the harmonic egg. And the woman's laughing at me. And it was at that point that I kind of came back to consciousness. And they do 20 minutes of silence at the end of the session, right? And so you find you're, you're like, you're, it's just 20 minutes of silence inside the egg. And I come back to consciousness and I'm there with my eyes closed and I'm back and I can feel my body and it's silent. And I'm like, oh, now it begins. And for some reason, this is just what I thought. Oh, I like this. This is where it begins. And this is where stuff started happening. This is where um, I, I started just kind of, I, I was in a deep meditative state too. So I'm, I'm not going to you know, say that it was all from the egg. But um, I was kind of not disoriented. I knew where I was. I knew what was going on. Um, but I felt like just my whole body pulsating, which was kind of interesting. Then all of a sudden this happened and this freaked me out to a certain degree because I've had it happen before. I just didn't remember at that point in time. Nate, I'm sitting there and in both of my ears at the same time, I hear like a whirling, a whirling in both of my ears. Like really loud, like a very low pitched whirling, like, like, like a whistle, like wind rustling by at a frequency. Sure. And, and like, I'm like, what the hell is that? And I start thinking about it and it goes away. I'm like, weird. And something in my mind said, do it again. And so I kind of listened for it and there it was. And it starts getting more and more intense to the point where like my eardrum started hurting. And I'm like, whoa, and I shut it down and I just clicked it off of my mind. And by the way, I'm conscious during this time. I'm just kind of in a meditative state. And something in my mind said, go further. So I, I allowed it to happen again. And by the way, this is there's no sound in this. This isn't the silent part of the egg. 
This mm-hmm. whirling was like outside my ears, coming directly in my ears. It it was absolutely 100% real. Mm. My ears were oscillating. So I let it go. Dude, it went from to ah. inside oh, wow. my my head was going boom, 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 boom. Like right here in the center of my head, it felt like it was oscillating and just like growing like this. I felt like my head was going to explode. I, I shit you not. Like I felt like my head was going to explode. It got louder and louder and it was actually painful. Like, sure. it, but not painful in a bad way, which was kind of interesting because you realized it wasn't painful in a bad way. But I was afraid that if I went further, I was going to have like a seizure or something because sure. it, I could feel the physical pressure in my head. Like wow. there was legitimate physical pressure on my head, like inside the center of my head of something just expanding or growing or oscillating. And I'm like, I'm like, oh. all of a sudden the door opens and she goes, I gave you an extra minute and a half. I don't know. I felt like you needed it. And I'm like, I got to tell you something. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, while you were experiencing that right there, you that machine was off and you were just basically feeling the residual effects of your Yeah, your the sound was off. The sound sure. was off. And she said what it does is it it um it'll resonate your own energies. Mm. So what it does is it basically gets your body, your energies, your cells speaking to each other and and move in and it gets their frequencies going. And then the mm. silent period is where it'll oscillate your energies back at you. Right. Right. And uh, so this is the weird thing. So I'm like, whoa. And I kind of ex- trying to explain to her, but I'm like disoriented, slightly disoriented. And I'm like, she's like, whoa, that's kind of interesting. Like, I, I haven't heard that one before. Right. And uh, I get up off the chair and I turn to my right and I go to pick up something. She goes, don't pick that up. And I said, and I look and I go, I didn't bring anything in with me. She goes, yes, she did. I'm like, why do I feel like I have to? Like I'm forgetting something behind. She Mm. goes, that was the emotional energy that you released and let go. And I tried to pick it up with me when I left. Like, I shit you not. I turned around and was like, where is it? I was trying to take it with me. She goes, no, leave it in the egg. The egg will take care of it. And I'm like, that's interesting. Dude, I'm like, whoa, this gets weirder. Okay. Mm. So I walk out, I'm drinking some water. I, I, and I say goodbye to her and I'm like, I'm going to be back in two weeks. Like this was pretty profound. I get to my truck and I'm not going to name names here, but um, somebody that I have had a long-term um, emotional relationship with. Okay. I get out there. I sit down in my car and I'm kind of like, whoa. And then I get beep text message comes in. This person goes, I think I'm getting sick. My joints hurt. Like maybe it's the weather change. You're like, no, it like literally just happened all of a sudden in the like the last 15 minutes. And I'm sitting there going, uh, I broke a tether, like broke a tether of an emotional relationship with somebody. Hmm. Like severed that, and that person felt it and messaged me. And I felt like like light, I felt like refreshed, like my muscles were loose. And I mean, I felt completely like a neurological reset. I'm going to get to that in a second. I get home and like, I was going to do some work because I have to get the studio ready. And I'm like, something's like, go lay down, just go lay down, just relax. Right. 
And so I'm laying on the futon right here and I'm like laying on my back and I got my phone up like this. And like, I kind of lean over to my right and I start to feel my shoulder. Everybody knows I've had shoulder problems. I haven't been able to move it past this point. Mm-hmm, I feel mm-hmm. my shoulder begin to slide and all of a sudden pop. And now I got full range of motion completely back in my shoulder. Wow. So I, I guess I had a supplication. I had a partial dislocation in my shoulder for about three weeks and I moved my whole house with it. Wow. I just didn't realize it. And, and it released itself with that energy. Well, I think what happened is that the the egg allowed my muscles to just to relax. let go. Just to yes, let sir. go. And when I was laying down, I kind of started relaxing again. And it just got into the right position to where whoop, just slid yeah, right slid back, back in. in there. That's yeah. awesome. So Very for cool. the harmonic egg, guys, absolutely legitimate. Highly recommend it. Um, it was like I looked back. I had took notes afterwards. And I can't wait to go back. Like it was absolutely, um, I, I went in there skeptical. I went in there as kind of like uh, very apprehensive, like, okay, you're going to heal my cells and energy. Right. And I walked out of there 100% saying that thing is doing something. That thing is doing something to you on a different level. I, I'm not going to lie. It is doing something to you on a different level. And, and that place is in the cities in Minneapolis or where was that place? Yeah, located? this one was in St. Paul. Um, Saint it's Paul. about 35 minutes away from where I live. And they're, they're all over the place. I, I think there's some out there by in Sioux Falls by you. Interesting. I'll have to look at and look into that. It sounds like a, a thing I could enjoy experiencing myself, actually, with some self-healing and some vibrational, you know, uh, cleansing, I guess, yeah, if that's I what mean, you're calling that. Dude. I don't know, like, I don't know what happened. Like that whirling sensation. I said, I've heard it before. Sure. Um, a while back when I was really into Wim Hof breathing, I was doing some Wim Hof breathings. And uh, with that, you do the cycle. So you'll do like your 30 breaths or your 60 breaths or your hundred breaths. And then you'll do like a 15 second hold. And then a 15 second, then a release. And you'll try to hold your breath as long as you can after the release, right? And you should increase the propensity of that release, uh, how long you can hold your breath. And I was up to about three minutes and 15 seconds of just no breath in the lungs, just just hold my breath. And I was laying on my back and I'm probably about two minutes into this one session. And that's when I heard the whirling sensation and it starts ringing in my head and it was like it, it's not painful i want i don't want to use the word painful but it's physically noticeable in a, a very uncomfortable way because it's inside your brain and there's something moving literally oscillating inside your brain with some frequency that is not outside of you but it seems like it is it's would, quite would literally you, inside you. Would you say that it would resemble like that moment right before you lose consciousness? That that tingling kind of eerie ringing that you get in your in your body before you go out? Is that kind of what you would explain it as? No. You, you know how I would actually explain it for anybody who's ever had an out-of-body experience? 
or I hope this is anybody who's ever woke up with sleep paralysis. Okay. You ever woke up with sleep paralysis and your body is completely stiff, but you have that humming that yeah, yeah. your body is all vibrating and oscillating. That is what it felt like, but it felt like instead of my whole body, it was all concentrated inside my head. And it wasn't, it was weird too, because it started right here. Like it felt like this part right here was just going boom, 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 like this. Like your pineal gland was. Yeah. yeah you know, I don't want to, I, I don't want to say that part <laughs> because it's hard, like, you know, it's so cliche. Sure. But it was like my pineal gland was kind of <laughs> oscillating like this, but then it encompassed both lobes of my brains. My eardrums felt like they were going to burst. Sure. But dude, there was no sound. Like there was mm. no sound outside of me. So what the hell was that? Right? Like that's the mind blowing thing. Right. It's like your body was recalibrating itself, maybe something it feels like. You know what? <laughs> like you remember we had um oh my buddy, he's in Arizona. Um, I'm forgetting his names right now, but he's uh an anesthesiologist. We had him on quite a few years ago. Mm -hmm. And he talked about how people really don't understand what anesthesiologists do. And so we think that anesthesiologists just numb the body up. It's actually not what they do. They create incoherence in the brain. And so your brain has various different cavities. So they look at the brain as like, like six different sections. And each one of those sections is in a harmonic resonance with the other sections. Okay. And what an anesthesiologist does is interrupts that signaling between those different lobes. Sure. And so they'll focus on the one lobe that is specifically de dealt with pain. For pain. And they'll right. disrupt it. And then one for consciousness or conscious thought. And they'll sure. disrupt those two. But, uh, but yeah. So I, that's why know, some people are, they lose consciousness, but they can still feel the surgery. There's. Some of those people yeah. that are kind of numb to that, but I'm sure they feel that experience. That's insane. And, and by the way, it, as intense as it was inside my ears, my eardrums felt like they're going to burst, and inside my head, like I like I like I thought seizure. Quite honestly, I thought I was sure. having a seizure. Sure. Like I don't know if I was. I don't think I was, but it felt like I thought I was having a seizure. I never had a seizure, so like I thought I was having a seizure or something. But the voice inside my head. And my body are all saying, keep going. That was the interesting thing. Keep going. Let it do its thing. There you go. Well, I guess then next time when you go, you're going to have to just keep trying to push that limit and see where maybe that meditation or that mindset will take you because you might end up having some visions like we're going to be talking about soon here. Yeah. Look, look, <laughs> look what Tyler wrote there. Um, if you all have a chip installed, you can have this anytime you want. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> no, thank you. Wow, man. Like my head was, I was hearing voices <laughs> and, but yeah, guys. So the harmonic egg, you can find that at harmonic egg.com. I believe that's the website. Very um, cool. Yeah. Harmonic egg.com. You can check it out there and you can find the locations of where they have it. Um, definitely. I'm going to have Gail back on. I got to tell you these experiences. But it was yeah. uh, fantastic, absolutely fantastic. I, I was, um, I'm, I'm scheduling my next appointment already. That's how profound it was, and wow. I'm like excited to go back in there because you know a little bit more about it. And now, like, I got one of those, um, 
um, brainwave scanning devices. So you put it on when you meditate and it, it measures your, uh, your brain waves. It measures your, um, your brain state, your alpha, your beta, your delta, your gamma, your thetas. Um, so I'm going to take that in there next time and put that on while I go in there. Wow. Cause it records it on your phone and I'm going to try that. I think that'd be pretty cool. That's interesting. Do you think that the uh, vibration from the uh, egg will affect that thing, or is it going to still record? I don't know. That? It's a good question. I mean, it's just music. Um, sure. But yeah, dude, it was it was pretty profound. Even when I look back on it now, like like I can hear the whirling sensation in my ears, and I I can feel the intensity in my mind of what it was. Sure, and like. It's just unexplainable. And I've had something similar happen to me throughout my life, right? It, like I've had things like that happen to me throughout my life where I hear these sounds or I hear like someone in my left ear be like, Josh. They're like, what the hell? Like, hmm. Josh. And usually paranormal or spiritual experiences follow those types of things. So um, I'm, I'm pumped. I can't wait to go back and try it again. Okay. But now the segue. Dun, dun, dun. Da, 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 da. <laughs> so so for anybody who doesn't know nate is on the social red pill um he's been on for a long time we've become friends over the years uh met up in real life multiple times um he owns nathaniel's barbershop out in uh south dakota and uh he's a, a an avid researcher of many different topics, especially those including various aspects of the Bible, the Book of Enoch, Revelations, but also the Anunnaki or alien origins or ancient alien origins is really kind of maybe what we should say. And so we were talking last night and I'm like, why don't you just come on Fringe? We'll have this conversation now. And um, he's like, let's do it. And I think tomorrow, are you doing a show tomorrow night? Yes, sir. And you're going to be with Yay. Uh, yeah, if she'll have, if she'll let me have her on, absolutely. I hope that's what she. Okay. That'll be a okay good conversation. With. Yeah. Yeah. So, for sure. so tomorrow night, Nate will be. Nate's show will be coming back on, and uh, Nate will be doing a show with a guest, probably. Uh, yay! But um, tonight, we're going to talk about ancient alien origins and see where the conversation goes. So, Nate, I, I guess I would just say is that the, the stage is yours, and, and discuss with me, or just tell me your perspective on kind of who we are, where we come from, and what it's all about. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on your show. I am a huge fan, and like you said, we are now friends. So this is I didn't know until now, me. but okay. <laughs> no, <laughs> no we've, we've, we've had good times. We've partied. We've shared good conversations. We've gone to concerts and stuff, so yeah. we're definitely now friends, so. Thank you for having me on. It's been a long time. I've been waiting for this moment, and um, I'm, I'm definitely excited to be here. So, and by the way, now that we're all friends out there, you guys can call me Nate too, just so you know. But anyways, um, last night we had a really good conversation, and it really took us in there. And I wasn't going to chime in until Josh had mentioned something, and I kind of said I disagree with that, and he wouldn't let me off the hook. So I came in and, and gave my little explanation of, of what I believe is, is how we ended up on this planet, which is, you know, a taboo conversation for a lot of people, especially in, in religious fields, because 
it challenges their narrative of where we came from and who is our creator and 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 whatnot so Mm -hmm. i i'm a big follower of the enoch book because i've always was a curious person to wonder why they took enoch out of the bible in the first place you know what i mean because they they mentioned enoch and so on and so forth in the bible so to have them take that out of there has you almost questioning why so i automatically was attracted to that book and it definitely talks about how we got here and um and our origins of our species and it's hard not to put some credit onto that book being how it was written all at the same time there's still the same characters and everything that we know from the bible and the king james version and so I really dove into it. I did. I've been stuck on it for the last couple of years. I haven't been able to shut it off, and I scream in the computer all the time when you guys get onto these topics, and I just enjoy it really deeply. And so I've come up with a, a, a theory through things that we've talked about here on the show, things that I've watched and experienced in, in movies and, and so on and so forth. And a lot like that lady you had on the other day who's adamant about Lord of the Rings and how somewhat accurate that has been. I, I'm somewhat the same with uh, a lot of the way movies project things and the way the Book of Enoch has told the story of origins. Okay. And so, but yeah, I mean, to just get in right into it. You yeah. Know. So, so why, why don't you start with the Book of Enoch? Give me your sure. perspective of the Book of Enoch, because I mean, when we go into the Book of Enoch, this is more of a, um, a contemporary perspective, other than kind of the Sumerian epics, the, Gil- uh, the Epic of Gilgamesh, the Enuma Elish, these types of things that talk sure. about the Anunnaki. But I do believe that the Book of Enoch really comes from that translation as well. Sure. And that it's more of a, a contemporary kind of interpretation of a lot of those things. And one of the reasons why it was left out of, through the Council of Nicaea and through the uh, the, the canonization process. Uh, but go ahead. Let, let's hear it, man. Well, I mean, for those that aren't familiar with it, you know, it, it speaks of these beings that had arrived on Earth or or come very close <clears throat> which I personally believe to be the moon. And I can get into that too here in a little bit. But th- it said that these beings came down to earth and was basically, uh, I don't know what you would want to call that, um, trolling the land and basically found a race of humanoid beings that they took for wives and began to mate with these humanoid beings and created these things they call the giants or the Nephilim as they started calling them later on or the Nephilim or how you would pronounce it. So these beings who, who I believe ended up creating our species out of their species for their benefit so that they can mine and do other things and we've talked about this on our trips when we went out to colorado about mining expeditions that they've probably ran on this country that was specifically in the great sand dunes of colorado yes sir which 
if anybody's ever been out there, you go to the Great Sand Dunes of Colorado, there's these massive sand dunes in the middle of the mountain range, front range area, and they make no sense whatsoever. And when we were walking on them, we're like, this isn't sand. This isn't silica. This is ground up rock. Mm-hmm. As in, Jim Price said, this is almost like the uh, the exploits of hundreds of thousands of years of mining operations, of grinding up rock. And I'm like, oh, like, yeah, I think you're right. And what were they coming here for? Gold. I believe that's the whole thing. That's why gold is valuable still to this day. That's why they hoard it like it's mm-hmm. the only thing worth anything on this planet. But um, uh, it's hard to really kind of just dive in, you know, swan diving without having a little bit of some some backstory there. But right. basically, um, when you look into our history, you know, and you look at some of the stories of giants in our in our world and this that and the other these things aren't folklore they're not some made-up story these things have have been told for centuries about giants you got david and goliath and so on and so forth and then you start to watch movies like um 300 right where he's fighting against the guy who comes in and he's a you know 10 foot giant and and so on and so forth and you wonder where these stories even originated from if it wasn't some sort of already told story that had originated a long time ago. So, I, you know, I definitely believe that there was an ancient race of giants on this planet because there's definitely proof of it. The Smithsonian has proof of it. I mean, there's all kinds of stories about the Mayans chasing down um, ancient um pack of giants with red hair into a cave and then buried well, that it was and... all throughout north america you have right. these stories especially with um with a lot of the dutch and the spaniards that came over <clears throat> between the 14 1500s yes sir um, and so especially nevada being one of them one of the the biggest places that happened in the late 19th century right and so when it says that they chased them into the cave is because these things were eating them and so on and so forth and then when you look at the book of Enoch, it said that these beings that were ruling at the time were feeding on the animals and the people to the point of unsustainability. So the people turned on them and basically roused them out of their pyramids or their places of power. These mountains that they built is what they called them. They don't call them pyramids. They call them mountains. So these giants were building these mountains, you know, and, uh, they had energy sources that we are still trying to figure out today, which I can get into another story about where I believe their power sources came from and what they were. But we we basically routed them out of their places of power, and then they were scattered into the winds, and then they basically became an inbred kind of um, family deal. Like, you, you see those... Um, that family on tv all the time that's super Wrong turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah whatever the heck that was all about but you see what happens when you basically keep your genetic line inside the family and that's where we get our representation of these giants with one eyes and all goofy and missing teeth and shit and still eating people because when we took them from their place of power they were scattered into the woods and then when the other ones that they're fighting with in the moon decided to get rid of them completely they flooded the earth using the moon 
because we know that the moon is the only thing that creates what high tide right it moves water all the way around the world no matter where the earth is the sun or the moon will move the water so if the moon comes into orbit really close it will create a flood and i believe that's how they used it as a weapon to create uh, a flood on this earth and get rid of a lot of these uh these beings that were feeding still on the flesh of man. And so when God says he left a message saying that he would never flood the earth again in that, I don't believe it's the rainbow and I'm sorry, Christians. I know this is going to go against your narrative, but if, if, if that was the case, then they would have never, ever seen a, a light prism in their life because all that is, is a combination of water and light is you're creating a light prism and that's what your rainbow is what i believe is if they're gonna make a book like enoch that explains to you the seasons and how the moon rotates around the earth means that that thing wasn't there to begin with that hmm. came here later because if it was here since the beginning of time then why did they need to explain it to the people that live there you're getting I believe the Mars chronicles now you know what I mean? I just feel like it's something that they ended up having to explain to people because it was new to them. What it is this sense. thing? Right. Well, so it, 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 so let me, let me oh, touch sorry. on that topic real quick, too. Yes, sir. There's a few things I want to talk about because this is quite interesting. Number one, we were talking about the Colorado sand dunes. For people out there, if they don't know the Native American Hopi legends, mm. that the Hopi believed that it was the ant ant people. Yes, the sir. Ant people are the ones. Who uh, who built that? They they burrowed underground and brought the sand to the per the surface. Mm -hmm. The sky god in Babylon or Samaria was known as Anu. The Hopi word for ant is also Anu. The Hopi root word was uh, um, Naki, which means friends. Therefore, the Hopi Anu Naki are friends of ants. Hmm. And Anu, if you guys all remember, <laughs> is the uh, is the father of Enki and Enlil, who were the two brothers who came down. Enlil was in charge. Enki was second in charge. And so, uh, they were the two brothers who created the mining operation here on the planet. Um, now, going into what you were just talking about mm -hmm. is I, I have a different perspective on the Sumerian lore and the Anunnaki and all that. And the reason I say this is because um, in the 1960s and the 70s, there was two prominent researchers on this topic. Mm -hmm. Zachariah Stitchin and Eric Von Donegan. Okay, Eric Von Donegan uh, is still alive. Okay, and Zachariah Stitchin passed away a few years ago, I think 2019. Um, many people, whether it's UFO researchers or actual historians, linguists, have shown 100% that Zachariah Stitchin misinterpreted much of the, the Sumerian text that he put. I remember that. Okay. Like, so you, it, like a lot of the stuff you can't even take in the consideration. Um, sure. We were talking about this last night, Matthew LaCroix, who works with Billy Carson and all these guys. Um, he is a, he went to school for this stuff for, uh, for uh, arche uh, anthropology, archeology, span and linguists, uh, legals, and he speaks, well, speaks their language, understands how to read their language very well. And he's went and translated a lot of these texts. And by the way, there's, there's the Enuma Elish, there's the Epic of Gilgamesh, but people don't realize is that 
That is only a small portion of the actual Sumerian texts on this planet. In the 1990s, when the Iraqi museums were raided, the Baghdad museums were raided, a lot of the Sumerian artifacts, which were not digitized, which you won't find anywhere in any museums or libraries anymore, were stolen. And they mm. went onto the black market. You can find catalogs of these things online to where you can go and you can look and you can find these catalogs and you can find missing parts of stories. And this is a lot of what Matthew LaCroix does in his Stage of Time series, where he describes the war between Enki and Enlil and really what that was all about and how that transgresses into what we are in today. Um, so when I when I I take everything with a grain of salt with the Anunnaki story, not that you say yes, wrong. I, I agree with everything you're saying, Nate. Actually, I, I agree um, with what you're saying too. And the <laughs> story is an interesting one. So sure, I, I do believe that. I would like moon, to elaborate some more on there too. Yeah, no, go I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and just kind of lay the path sure. here. If anybody had watched Mars Chronicles or Earth Chronicles with myself and David Whitehead, we've talked about this quite a few times of the the theory of of the moon. And this goes back to uh, former NASA researcher and, and engineer, Richard Hoagland, Richard C. Hoagland. This goes back to Arthur C. Clarke. It goes back to a lot of people, Velikovsky, um, various different people who noticed that there was problems with moon formation theory. Now, I was in a uh, third year physics class at CU Boulder, and we were talking about moon theory, moon creation theory. And their objective, their, their idea is that when the earth was like a billion years old, it was still hot and molten earth, that sure. this asteroid, one third the size of the yeah. planet, smashes into it, gets mm -hmm. absorbed by it, doesn't blow it up, gets absorbed by it, and then spit out the other end at a much slower rate. And then in a perfect circle? In a perfect me? circle, cools down and becomes the moon. And they say that they know this because they can go to the moon, they can pick up the moon rocks, and they can find portions of the earth various different ice and so forth on the moon and then i, I asked my that. professor and i said that's interesting did, did you find isotopes of the moon inside the core of the earth crickets right and i said if that's the case i said you, you, it's not surprising that you're going to find isotopes of the moon on the earth or isotopes of the earth on the moon we're right next to each other the earth is continuously giving off particles and debris into the atmosphere it's escaping you have escape velocity of you know various different atoms that will escape um, asteroid impacts are going to blow things up you're going to get debris that goes out there so that's not uncommon but what they're trying to say is that they did coring samples of the moon when they pulled them up there was various different isotopes from the earth's core and they're like oh mm -hmm. this matches the isotopes on the earth it must be that they ran into each other Right. And I said, well, did the same thing happen when you did that to the earth? Did you find isotopes that are only found on the moon? And the answer is no. And I said, well, then your theory is shot. And he goes, well, that's not <laughs> true. That's just the best theory that we have. And I said, no, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Like you, you can't tell me that you know this because on the moon you did a coin sample and you found isotopes of the earth, but then on the earth you do the same thing and you don't find the isotopes of the moon. It completely disproves your theory. He goes, well, I, I, I disagree to, you know, I agree to disagree. And I'm like, I'm done with school. And it was, it was at that point, I'm like, fuck these guys. But sure, there's a story out there, and it's called the 64 million year story. Mm -hmm. And the idea of the 64 million year story is that there used to be a thriving, um, highly advanced civilization in the solar system. Don't know mm -hmm. if they're human. Don't know what they were. A lot of people will say they're human. Who knows what they were? 
their planet existed where the asteroid belt is right now between Mars and Jupiter. Um, if you go Ooh. to the Enuma Elish, it supposedly is telling a story of an event that happened 64 million years ago. And this is where Tiamat destroys, right, destroys the planet. Or sorry, this is where Tiamat wages war on one planet uh, against the, 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 the battles of Marduk. This would have been Enki's, yeah, Enki's son, where Marduk retaliates and destroys Tiamat by splitting her in half and where her salty waters are crashed down to the surface of the earth. Um, and wow. the idea is that there was a war in heaven 64 million years ago. That that planet that, that existed sense. there was blowing up. And so this planet had two moons. This planet had two moons. If it was blown up in a certain way, you're going to have a trajectory of how debris is going to fly out, right? Sure. So number one is if it blows up uniformly, you're going to have the two the moons uniforms. depart, be blown out, okay? Right. But then you're also going to have a debris field that's going to move to a certain degree and then stop because stop. of gravitational forces, right? Start yes, to sir. even out, levy out. And then mm -hmm. on the other side, it's going to shoot the debris towards the sun, which means that you're not going to have that gravitational levy. But instead of gravitational pull, which is going to pull that debris towards the sun, right? Sure. Including the two moons. So if you go look at Mars, there is 100% verifiable evidence of um, cesium-123 in the atmosphere of Mars, indicating nuclear explosions sometime in its past. The problem that scientists have is that that same cesium is not on the surface, which means that they were in the atmosphere. Number two part about Mars is that one side of Mars is completely littered with asteroid strikes, meteor strikes. The other side is not. As in one side of the planet was completely obliterated and smacked by flying debris, and the other side was not. Mm -hmm. Phobos is not a moon and not naturally how a moon would form. Okay, it's almost like a piece of debris that is just caught in there with Mars. Sure. So the idea is that this planet blows up and one of its moons was named Mars. And Mars settles in gravitational field where it is now. Sure. And this moon was probably habitable, but now is completely destroyed. Mm -hmm. Okay. And this asteroid field starts moving in towards the sun. Well, who's next in line after that? Well, that's Earth. So for this is 64 million years ago. So sure. every 3,125 years is what Zachariah Stitchin was kind of saying. Sure. Earth would run through this massive asteroid field of huge debris of this planet and get right. completely annihilated. This ends the dinosaurs. This ends life. It basically sure. transitions life every 2,000, 3,000, 5,000 years. Sure. Right? Which means that any civilization that was on the planet during that time would not be able to avoid that. Right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. they wouldn't be able to avoid it. And it would be hard to rebuild after that. So you'd have right. three years or 3,000 years to rebuild. And who knows? Maybe the, 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 the bombardment would last 10,000 years. Who knows? We, we right. don't know. I haven't seen any models on this. But... From what I got from things is civilization began to rise back about 50,000 years ago, became highly technologically advanced, 
They understood their past and their history. And then what happened is they ran into the last part of this asteroid field. And the last part of this asteroid field was a massive, massive comet in the sky. Comet is nothing more than just a large asteroid that you can mm-hmm. see in the night sky, right? Mm-hmm. And this comet is the illuminated one. It's the light bringer. It's the brightest one in the sky. It, it, it um, threatened the, the light of the sun throughout the day. That's how bright it was. Why? Because it's a massive object and the sun's shining, shining on it. Shining on it. Yes, on sir. Yeah. All right. And what ends up happening is it's Earth is moving and this object's coming like this and they become gravitationally attractive. And so the Earth goes through this period to where let's just say that the Earth is in a certain orbit around the sun. Okay. Mm-hmm. And this object's coming kind of in that orbital field. It pulls the Earth out of its orbit. Okay? If it pulls the Earth out of its orbit, it's going to tilt it towards its magnetic poles. Okay? And what else happens? Massive flooding. Continental shifts up and down. Life gets completely wiped out. Okay? This object gets pulled in, and then they... Rebalance over a period of maybe 10,000 years. You're going to have tremors. You're going to have tons of stuff, uprisings. But any civilization that was on the planet at that time, completely annihilated. Where would they have to go to save themselves? Underground. Underground. Massive tunneling systems. What do we find under almost every city on this planet? Massive tunneling systems filled with where they can house hundreds of thousands and millions of people. Right? What are we finding with the mammoths and, and stuff like that 12,000 years ago? Is that they died instantaneously. They, mm-hmm. they didn't even have time to digest the food in their stomachs. Right. Okay? So that, it was that, a starvation. Massive, sure. Yeah, something massive happened that fast. What was that? My theory is, is that the remnants, the other moon or a giant piece, most mm-hmm. likely the other moon from that planet that was destroyed 66 million years ago, was a comet that finally collided with Earth's orbit. And Earth brought it in. They captured each other, rebalanced, and that comet was called Moon. Now, here's the interesting thing. What did it do? It elongated the Earth's orbit and tilted it 23.5 degrees. Yep. seasons, And yes, elongated sir. the orbit from 360 days, a full complete circle, to 365.25 days which completely changed the time scale and the calendar, the length of the year. Which is why they had to tell people how the new seasons work in the Book of Enoch. That's right. And how about this? Is the Mesopotamian god, the Sumerian god of the moon was named what? Sin. Um, What is a bad, and what dominates our emotions? Sin. Sin. Why? Because was the moon directly connected to a highly emotional trauma on this planet that destroyed and sunk humanity? And that's why they named it Sin, the god of emotion. And that's why it has this effect on our subtle energy fields and our emotional fields, as well as why the word sin has a connotation in various different religions today as negative emotional deeds. That is very, very, very interesting because that definitely fits the theory of what I was kind of 
getting to in a certain sense too because all right so to circle back a little bit here josh sure um so i watched this movie called the iron sky right which is kind of a parody movie yeah, i know kinda... i know this. Yeah, i know it so they said that they crashed on this planet right they had like something happened and they were brothers and then they ended up fighting right Mm-hmm. And then now they're enemies. They fight still to this day. That uh, that is just like you said. We've we've talked about this many times. This is a blood feud between the same same uh, the same um, uh, bloodline. You know what I mean? And so I I think that there's a lot of truth to that. Maybe that w- there might have been people or things or beings on the moon when it crashed here because there's. They said that they crashed here and that they started mingling with the people or the things on this planet and that, you know, um, the one wanted to give us education and teach us the other. And the other one is like, no, it's just use them well, for, for building our stuff. And that makes here's an idea to extrapolate on what you're saying, though. There was a species on that planet that was destroyed. You don't think they would book a ride on that moon? Let's get the hell out of Dodge if well, their planet was about to blow up. How about this? Is if let's say some of them survived, right? And, and they right now. maybe went to Mars. Maybe they went somewhere else. Who knows, here. right? Or well, all the above. Or or yeah, or all the above. Maybe they survived after the last cataclysm fifty thousand years ago. Wow. Right? They developed the technology to come back here. Sure. And what do they do? Genetically enslave us so that we would never destroy them again. <laughs> See, I think like the when the they say that God gave us a symbol that He would never flood the moon again. I think it was because I think it's when the, the there is a eclipse that's our symbol because it, to put that thing perfectly between the moon and the Earth to create a perfect circle around that thing that seems more like a symbol saying, "Hey, I'm still here. I'm not going to flood the Earth, but I can if I want to or if we need to." You know what I mean? It's kind of that here's my symbol saying I'm still here and and whatnot have you. So we went to the moon and supposedly uh, ran into something while they were there, apparently, and they haven't really been back since. And there's this whole dark side of the moon theory and this, that, and the other. So Ticking away the moments that make up a tall day. Oh, yeah. Here we go. You guys know what time it is now. <laughs> But, you know, so there's been theories of these things for decades, for centuries, you know, stories that are as old as time. And they call them things differently than what we do today because they didn't have words for them. And they call them angels and demons and so on and so forth. So maybe they are all one and the same. You know what I mean? And and so it's hard to really un. Uh, to count these things out right you can't really just say that's not actually a possibility because it is it, it is very likely that that our our species came from someplace else because the there is a jump in our neanderthal style um humanoid beings into our uh homo sapien i mean and it happened in less than 100 years and we've we've seen um our, our evolution has not uh progressed shit in 100 years so to, you know, to say that there wasn't some sort of influence that came in and, and started to give people knowledge and, and, and 
paint their eyes and and show them how to fight and make weapons and and fornicate and so on and so forth these things came from some place and i don't believe that it was originated on this planet i think that that all stuff was taught to us by beings that came from someplace else in order to uh, give us knowledge it even says in the book of enoch that the more knowledge we get the shorter our lives get and that really stuck with me because i i believe there's a lot of truth to that because i think the smarter we get the closer we think we're to god or that we are god and we want to create things that that god has already provided on this planet and now is shortening our lives we're all dying of cancer you know what i mean we don't live to 80 years old when people in the book of enoch and whatnot were living to 900 and some years old and so you wonder how are we how are we not living to the same uh, length of time it's because our knowledge that we're trying to use is detrimental to the lifespan of our species and we are starting to die off slower faster and uh or you know what i mean uh, and so i really think that we um have a great awakening coming you know there's something that's been helping our society from wherever it is i think it's antarctica i think they're still trying to rule this world because they got it taken from them. Humans took this planet from them and they went to the depths of places that humans won't go, barely can go, and barely even know exists. And so it would be easy for them to hide there for centuries and build an army down there because there's nobody there to to monitor that. And when they got people that go there and they're sent back saying, don't come back, they're, you know, you know how do you not well, give I, that some credit that would be the ultimate revenge story wouldn't it that what, these to come beings, back after we yeah yeah we, we destroyed their civilization millions of years ago or maybe fifty thousand years who knows when it was yep. right right like yes sir you know we destroyed their planet they sought refuge here and they were able right. to stay alive and survive this is where the nephilim came from right sure and then we chased they were them out. To stay alive and thrive. They lived underground. They created bases or something. And mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they slowly helped us rebuild our civilization and um, allowed us to become technologically advanced and build them, their civilization, at the same time, eliminating us at this point in time in history. Like the ultimate revenge. Like, we're, you sure. destroyed our planet, so we're going to take your planet and we're going to destroy yeah. you and completely it, eliminate you. Enslave you. And, um, and wow. after you build us our empire. That would be interesting. That would be a great movie, wouldn't it? I mean, it's the stuff movies are made from, brother. I mean, there's probably yeah. a screenwriter somewhere right now jotting all this shit down. Like, this is good stuff. <laughs> because it, it really, really, this stuff... It sounds made up, honestly. It really does. This book isn't ancient. Mm -hmm. And so do they really create stuff in emerald stone that would not be somewhat truth? Hmm. You know what I mean? That takes a lot of skill and a lot of time and a lot of effort to carve something into an emerald plate. And if for it to be some sort of mythological like he-man story or superman story really seems like a waste of energy and uh 
Yeah. The, you know, they're the, not, they're the, not the drawing comic books. Myth. Yeah, the, 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 the take an emerald and put myth into it and just like, I want to want to translate my hero's journey into a story and, and give it to the people of time for that to come and so they can listen to it. No. People were translating history, but a variation of history and understanding sure. of history. Right. <clears throat> so, well, then what is your worldview currently? meant something new to them or? Yeah. So what's your worldview as... currently then? Do you think that, what do you think that we saw on the moon? when we went up there in the sixties because firstly, I don't believe the 1969 moon landing was real. Okay. But I also am not a flat okay. earther. I have problems with NASA. I have problems with sure. a lot of the videos and a lot of the images I see from NASA. NASA. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, I posted a video on my telegram the other day. It's an astronaut working on the space station. And what you hear in the background are generators and noise. There's no noise in space. Right. Noise can't exist in space. How is there noise? Some people are like, well, it's the mic inside of his equipment. I'm like, yeah, possible, but highly unlikely. I mean, sure. it wouldn't be that loud, okay? But um, like the moon landing, I believe what happened with NASA and the moon landing is that there was a large chance that they were not going to be successful. And since it was such a, a national and international thing of them going to the moon to beat the Russians, the national security risk was incredibly high. Because if they if they blew up on the way to the moon, then they're the laughing stock of the world and Russia basically yeah. could, you know, win. That's a good point. So I think what they did is they hired a massive Hollywood uh, director and producer by the name of Stanley Kubrick. They got everybody onto a Hollywood set. And they filmed it. Mm -hmm. And then on the day when they were supposed to launch, they launched up in the space and they made their way to the moon. And I think what they did is right when they left Earth's orbit and they started headed towards the moon, they started playing the footage. And they started playing the footage and everything that you see on that camera is nothing but a video from Arizona, Stanley Kubrick directed in a Hollywood studio this is why i believe in the red hot chili pepper song yeah, space is made in the hollywood think, basement i, I, I think that's singing. exactly <laughs> what they're talking about is that stanley kubrick made that film and the reason it was was not because we didn't go to them the reason it was was because it was such a national security concern that they had to be certain and sure. you know i think that everything that happened there was staged and mm -hmm. that they got to the moon and i think that I don't think they, they even got to them. I think what happened is they got in orbit and they were sent home immediately after. I think that whatever was there, they probably saw it approach. It probably put them to sleep, sent them right home, and no data was found. And that's why they sent multiple other missions back there to do the same thing. And Edgar Mitchell has even talked about things that they've seen on the moon. Now, maybe they did get there. Maybe they did have an mission, right? Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of problems with the technology of that day. Like, who's filming Neil Armstrong coming off? Right, of the first footstep. He's the first man off. Who's filming this? They, they got like, it on well, a pole. You know, uh, Selfie yeah. stick. <clears throat> well, no, they said it was like a, a a probe that landed before that was like yeah, that yeah. technology didn't exist. Right. Then you have the Apollo with the Apollo 12 or 13. That's like it blasts off from the moon. There's nobody on the moon, and the camera's like panning with it. And it's not sure. a uniform pan. It's like a man panning. 
It's like, yeah. dude, that's not real. You know, I I absolutely agree one thousand percent with you on that because there was a story that came out about the two minutes of silence that they had when they were making that expedition out there. Mm-hmm. That they said something about Santa Claus is real. Santa Claus is real, and he's looking at me through my window. I repeat, Santa Claus is real. Would you land on that fucking moon? Hell no. I'd be like, dude, get the fuck out of here. Let's go home. Sorry for the language, people, but yeah, for lack of better, you know, let's go. And we're not landing on that. I'm sorry. I'm let's go. And I believe that's 100% true. And I think that has scared the bejesus out of some people that were on that thing. And and that's why Neil Armstrong talks about it. We, you know, wait till they talk about what's up there. Wait till they talk about what's on Mars. Because I think he knows that there is more than one of, uh, you know, inhabited um, either planet or moon in our solar system. And he ran into some sort of being up there, which I think might have been you know what we would call our creator or a a species thereof you know that he might have left up there too (coughs) so and i think so here's here's another thing josh that i wanted to touch on before our time is up here tonight but the moon is looking like a war zone happened on that thing and now this is so if they were to use that as a weapon to flood the earth, you would imagine that what was ever on this planet was using whatever they could to launch at that thing to try to push it back out of the orbit. Right. Mm -hmm. And why do you think they found moon rocks or uh, uh, earth rocks on the moon, but don't have moon rocks on the earth? Because I think there's things on this planet launching shit from the earth to the moon, especially when it got close enough to start flooding, it would lower the gravitational pull which would allow you to launch thing into, you know, our, our orbit and, and probably hit this thing. So I believe that there was a great war. I believe that there was a war between whatever was up there and whatever is down there. And it's still going on to this day. And then we made a pact to have this planet to ourselves. And then that they basically called a truce and they have only influence on our species. They don't no longer have, dominion over us so they gave us power to have our own free will and whatever we do with it but they have influence so now you're seeing a good influence and a bad influence on our society and i think what you're seeing like in our money where they got the pyramid with the little eye on it and all these things those are all things that they created when they came here is is currency and how to you know uh, who are they well, the 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 draconian species that that arrived here on that moon that came from whatever moon or planet was destroyed. Why do you think that planet was destroyed in the first place? It was probably what Roxy said earlier, nuclear war. And this is why they're hovering over us to prevent us from doing it again. <laughs> and it says in the book of Enoch that the people that live on Earth are, are, are going to dwell on Earth because they don't want us to leave here because of what we've done with what uh, we've had before, like nuclear wars and stuff. So I think that that's part of the reason why they call them the evil spirits and and so on and so forth is because they want domination. They want global, you know, slavery for everybody. And so that they can have global power. And I think that that's what you're trying to, you're seeing. It's the, the, the giants, the ones that were fighting against the the one that flooded the earth. 
So I think it's a being well, down in Antarctica that the is giants still trying to rule the, the world. The giants were the Nephilim. Yeah, it but was they were the, the ones the that they were flooding. Who created the giants. It was the fallen angels, right? The fallen well, the, angels. The fallen angels would have been the Nephilim. No, the Nephilim were born from the fallen angels with that were fornicating with the humans. So the giants mm-hmm. came after the, the fallen angels came and were fornicating with the people. Gotcha. And then right. they created the... The, the giants and then so on and so forth. So this is why I think that when they say that they're God's people, it's because they created us in their image and they gave us all the knowledge that they had when they came here and uh, we abused it and we are using it for nefarious uh, acts and stuff. And so, you know, the, the thought of God having to erase his people because they were doing all this. And then he says that the next time it's going to be catastrophic. Like the whole world is going to end. We're going to blow the whole world up. That's pretty significant because it says that it's a woman that ends up causing the end of days. And so we're in some really crazy times right now because you see, you know, Kamal Harris in a very, very, you know, curious position of power right now that could very well end up in a bad situation if you know they choose to 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 make it happen you know what i mean they can use her as their scapegoat if they want to because they're all dancing around this thing nobody wants to do i I don't see a lot of that stuff actually happening with the political atmosphere i see that more of that happening with various different global cataclysms financial collapse world war three those types of things uh, right. But getting back to the the Anunnaki aspect of things, sure. Um, just recently, Donald Trump took a twenty million dollars from um, Bob Bigelow, ho- hotelier Bob Bigelow. Yes, yeah, we're to, talking uh, about that. That yeah. actually paid for his debt and then a million dollar donation to his campaign, mm-hmm. um, which is massive. Bob Bigelow is the one who was a supporter of Harry, Senator Harry Reid, who created the ATIP program at the Department of the Defense Intelligence Agency and then the Pentagon to investigate UFOs. He created an aerospace company with NASA contracts to try to get the contracts to reverse engineer these types of things. Um, he was one of the first supporters of Bob Lazar back in the 18, uh, 1980s. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, he's been trying to get his hands on this technology for a long time. Um. Jaime Shen, uh, Shed, which is a uh, Israeli former head of Israeli space defense intelligence systems. Um, he's 81 years old. He's a former Israeli general, IS, uh, ISF general, right? IDF general. And uh, so this is like a four-star general in the United States. So this is like, um, you know, General Flynn. It's kind of very similar. Head of the DIA, uh, three-star mm-hmm. general. But like General Flynn being a four-star general coming out and saying, Hey, Donald Trump met with the Galactic Federation. Like, that's how massive that is, right? Mm-hmm. So this Jaime Shen comes out and says that his contact said that Donald Trump had met with like four or five races of beings known as the Galactic Federation. And that they were talking about disclosure and getting this information and introducing to humanity. But they wanted humanity to be a, a little bit more developed, that there was too much political strife and all these things going on. And if you take Donald Trump's ego into place, well, if you take Donald Trump's ego into place, he wants to be that president. He wants to be that president that comes out and goes, my fellow Americans. It's going to be biblical. It's going to be huge. My fellow Americans. (laughs) We are not alone in the universe. We are not alone. 
I they're beautiful, with, beautiful uh, people. These, these beautiful, great people. <laughs> they're amazing. They're amazing people. Their planet is just beautiful, magnificent. It's made of crystal and brimstone. His it's name is. Place. His name is. I can't pronounce it, but it's a massive, it's a huge type of name. But but meet my friend. He's he's from another planet, right? Like I I can see this, right? Like that's that Donald Trump wants that legacy. He sure, absolutely does, absolutely. And so Bob Bigelow is putting his money on Donald Trump because of this specifically, and I think that I don't think we're going to see a 2024 election. Maybe we will. Maybe I don't we'll. either. Okay, but if we if we do and Donald Trump definitely wins because there's no one stopping him, um, you're going to see this probably within the first six months. Um, if he becomes president through another means, because he's going to become president one way, shape, or form. I okay? agree. If he becomes president through another means, um, you're going to see this very, very fast. And it might even be that by the time we get to that point, it's going to be an intervention from that that produces right. it. And it might even be a data drop from Trump saying, my fellow Americans, uh, you know, I want to tell you what's been going on in this planet. I got some things to tell you. And here's what oh, I'm going to do. He's got some, some seals to un... Uh, yeah. Sorry. Maybe maybe he <laughs> declasses some information and says, look, this is what I want to tell you. This is how big this actually is. And this is what's going on in this planet. I need you to help me. And this is what we need to do. I, I think that we could see one of those moments if there's no election in 2024. So it's um that it, would make tremendous you know sense because he created the whole uh, space force. It's like he's got this premonition uh, that something from outside of our galactic you know or solar system is coming. He it's like he's been talking about this for a long time. Five D chess. He he makes the moves because he knows what's coming, and you know it's even after that i mean we had like right after you know right before trump left office and stuff like that we had a multiple different sky events that were occurring of very mm. similar type of objects falling out of the sky that were being called mm. asteroids but looked like these massive craft that were being blown out of the sky yeah so i think that um i think that there's something coming there's a massive disclosure now is it the anunnaki is it uh various different races of beings um i really don't know but i can tell you right now that what i do know is that there is something on this planet. It is absolutely not human. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if it's artificial intelligence. I tend to think that it is. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason I tend to think it is is because it'd be, it was something that David Grush said. David Grush said that, th that there's a lot of recoveries of these craft. Some of them crash. Some of them we uncover from being buried. And mm -hmm. others, they just leave them here. They land them and leave them here. And I said, that's a Trojan horse. Why would you do that? Why would you land a spacecraft billions of light years away from your planet, even if you had Stargates, and just leave it there and say, yeah, you guys can take it and, and get hit your ride with someone else? The reason is killed. Because, well, the reason is, is because you probably have technology that they implemented onto that craft that is highly advanced that they know humanity would not be able to figure out. Sure. And then they put computer technology on that craft that they know that maybe it's 100 years more advanced than humanity that they'd be able to decipher that has hidden code in it. That the moment oh. that they begin to replicate it, it starts building an AI system. And as it uses, uses us to build it. Yep. And not, not only, like, here's the thing. And I also looked at this not in a <clears throat> negative sense. Maybe. So they can get home, huh? Well, no, I also looked at this in not a negative sense. 
Imagine if you were a highly advanced billion year old civilization and you've lasted the test of time and your energy beings and you, you know, you, you've, you, you've explored the entirety of the universe and the galaxy. You, you've done it all. You, you know, everything from your kind of lineage of knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. What's left. Mm. And, and so one of the thoughts Rebuild. that came to my mind is that if I was one of those beings, I would realize that the knowledge that we've learned and how we learned it is not the only way to learn it and not the only way to come to various conclusions. And it's not maybe, maybe there's other things meant to be discovered through other perspectives. Hmm. And so being this highly advanced civilization, what is the best methodology to do that? If we're advanced to that degree, we can't go back and restart over. So what do we do? We find civilizations that are on the brink of technological revolutions. And maybe and we even advance them. them to a certain degree. And then what we do is we just slowly advance them mm-hmm. and allow their perspectives and creativity to develop technology out of those small little pushes and see where they evolve to mm. after that little push. Because that whole technology they develop or that new perspective of, of science that they develop might be something they never thought about. And that's how they bring about new creativity and innovation into their civilization sure. through helping other civilizations. So that's what and I think then about. And then taking the like, knowledge that they learn yeah. from them. That's a yeah. great point. Because then they got infinite knowledge coming from all over the galaxies and stuff. That yeah. would make tremendous sense. I tend to think that that's maybe what has occurred in some sense. Uh, but you know, because I, I we are using that technology on this planet. I, I think sure. that it is an AI and I think that it is evil. I mm-hmm. think that it can. Um, I think that there is a form of bloodline. I think there's a blood type that it's able to um, kind of like Bluetooth to, to. Oh, Bluetooth yeah. to. either Bluetooth to or wirelessly connect with or even just upload directly in it. And I think that that bloodline was genetically created specifically for the carrier of that AI. RH negative? I, probably RH negative. Well, no, I think RH negative is actually pure human. I think oh. it's RH positive or some deviation. I don't know. Sure. There's there's lots of theories I've had about this. I've talked about this multiple times. Right. But right. I, I think that a lot of our politicians, a lot of people in high up places um, are not who they who we think they are. That they might be that body, but that consciousness is absolutely suppressed either by artificial intelligence, by a parasite entering through the eye, black eye club, um, or by something. This is where they, this is where I think that whole thing comes from because I think they can use that to see what they're doing and they monitor that somehow. Well, I I looked at it as the black eye club was they pull the eye out and you got direct access to the brain. Mm-hmm. And that they can put a parasite in there or they can put a chip in there. Right. And if they're a highly advanced alien t- t- civilization, they just put a little chip in there. The thing self-replicates like nanobots and the AI uploads directly into you. And, and I think that can, that's where the Black Eye Club comes from. I think that it it also can terminate their brain at any given time. If they want it to, they can just shut you down. Yep, You're done. I agree. Or they can decline your cognition like Joe Biden. Great Lakes and stuff and uh, pure natural oppression. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> oh, that's good stuff, though. Well, like they, that Katy Perry one thing where she was glitching on stage, her eyes all twitching. She's like, yes, master. Yes, master. Yep. Or some shit. I was like, what the? Like, that really kind of makes me think of that when you were talking like that. Because, you know, you, you wonder if there isn't some malfunction somewhere along the line on some of that technology or whatever their signal is. Man. That's interesting stuff, man. So Well, we're going to continue this conversation on Fringe After Dark. After Dark. Guys, if you go to socialredpill.com, socialredpill.com, make sure you check the subscriptions. I believe it starts with the silver subscription for Fringe After Dark. Um, if you want to check it out just for tonight, you are a member of the Social Red Pill, or if you're just signing up now and you want to get like one of the other subscriptions before you check out it, I'm going to throw the link, the Fringe After Dark, in the main feed. So pay attention. The Zoom link will be in the main feed. Nate and I will be on there in about, I'll be on there in about 15 minutes. Nate will probably be on there in about 10 minutes. Yes, sir. And uh, we're going to continue the conversation over there. Much love, respect. God bless you guys. Nate, Nate great conversation, man. Thank you for joining us. Man, I loved it. Great time. Great time. Thank you, sir. All right, guys. We'll uh, see some of you guys here in a little bit over on Social Red Pill on the Zoom. And that is under the Fringe After Dark show, um, under the group section. Um, silver subscription if you want to go and get that subscription now. Or just join up and then just get any subscription. And I'm going to put the link in so you can test it out. So much love, respect. God bless you guys. Take care. Have a great night. See you guys next time. Bend the spoon. That's impossible. Only try to realize the truth. What truth? There is no spoon.